can learn. And if you are a mother with children, you are ideal. You are ideal because you're already a manager. That's right. You're already good at keeping all the balls in the air, keeping all the plates spinning, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Are you looking to create more money, more options, and more fun? Hi, I'm Chris McCarron. And each week, my guests and I will share our experiences with real estate investing and do our best to help empower you to start creating wealth yourself. Welcome to Women Creating Wealth. If you're ready to get started, visit womencreatingwealth.net. For now, let's jump into today's episode. Our guest this week on Women Creating Wealth is a person who I very much respect. She was first, she was my idol, then she became my mentor, and now I'm very honored and grateful to call her my friend. She's the president of one of the few female African-American-owned contracting firms in in Dade County in the entire state of Florida. And at the level that she operates, the level that MCO Construction, her firm, operates, it is one of the few female-owned or Black-owned businesses in the United States that operates at that high level. And that is the hat in which she's going to be speaking with us today, but she has many hats. And a lot of them, if not all of them, revolve around the book, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. She lives and breathes the principles of Think and Grow Rich, that her podcasts, her teaching, her training, her coaching, and her speaking are all revolve around the Think and Grow Rich philosophy. And I know that today you're going to get a lot of value from her, her tips on working with contractors, which is what, like I said, the one hat of her many hats that she's going to be wearing today as we speak to her, I guess you call it her hard hat. (laughs) And thank you so much for being with us today. I'm really excited to talk to you. Can you tell me how is it that you came to go about getting into contracting? Did did you always, was that always your ambition to become a contractor? Uh, No, Chris. No, no, absolutely not. And good afternoon to all of your listeners. And the title, the vision, the mission, all of those things, Chris, that we talk about when we're younger, much younger. For me, it really was more about making a living and just strictly surviving, if you will. So I have an undergraduate degree in accounting, a master's in finance, and I met and married my boyfriend from college. And how I ended up in construction is that when we both ended up getting our good corporate job is what it was during that time. And we thought we were really doing very well right out of college and decided to buy our first home in Palm Beach County. That was a fixer upper. And after we purchased a home and realized we knew absolutely nothing about construction and how to do repairs, we started going to the library. And like I said, I married up. My husband graduated valedictorian. I graduated. Thank you, Lordy. And so we realized that when we bought our home, that a few other homes in the neighborhood started going up for sale. So we ended up buying the house across the street, Chris. Then we bought the house down the street. And then every day after work, we would go in and invest, not spend, but we would invest two to three hours trying to figure out how to repair not just our own home, but the rental properties that we purchased. And then on weekends, we would spend all day in the library and then repairing. But one day, Chris, I came home from work, my good corporate job. And my husband said, you know, if I had it to do all over again, I would not go to college. I was shocked. I said, you had to be kidding me. I said, you're kidding. He said, no, no, I'm not kidding. 
I said, well, what would you do? He said, I'd go into construction. And, and then I really thought he had lost his mind. And he looked at me and he said, I did the math. I said, what math? He said, I did the math on what it would cost us if we did a lot of these repairs ourselves versus these guys that come in and they give us quotes on different parts of these repairs. And he said, and I realized after doing the math that what they make an hour is more than you make a day. That was in the 1970s. He said, what they make in one hour, Chris, was more than I made a day. And he was sitting on two degrees at the time. And I was in the process of getting my second degree, an undergraduate degree in accounting. And I was in the process of getting a master's degree. And I was considering getting a PhD because that's what we were taught during the 70s and 80s and 90s. Yeah. So I said, you were going to construction? He said, yes. And I thought really quickly because I I said, I'm, I married up. My husband's very smart. He's still smart, very smart. And I said to him, well, if you feel that way, I am going to go into construction. I'm going to go to trade school. And he started laughing. And he said, you're serious. I said, yes, I'm serious. So what I want to say to all of your listeners, when you're thinking about women in real estate and not really knowing, you can learn. And I, I'm a witness that if I can do this, anybody can do this. And it doesn't mean that, you know, those of you that are listening necessarily want to become a contractor per se. But when you talk about real estate investing, that's how I ended up into the construction industry from investing in real estate. And by investing in real estate and realizing that there was also an equal opportunity to make money and a better quality of life for myself and my family. I then began to look at the opportunities in construction for a woman in that industry appeared to be equally, if not more, available as in real estate, because during that time, you didn't have very many women in construction at all. And even today, you don't have that many women in real estate, even though we see a lot of women, and Chris is doing a phenomenal job being a woman in real estate. But when you start, of course, of course, and just the idea of what you're doing to educate women, to consider educating themselves. So when you think about your story, you started the same way we all start. And that's really what we want to encourage your listeners to consider. Start right where you are. You can learn. And if you are a mother with children, you are ideal. You are ideal because you're already a manager. That's right. You're already good at keeping all the balls in the air, keeping all the plates spinning, right? (laughs) Absolutely. 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 So those are just some thoughts in terms of how I got into this industry of construction. It really was by way of real estate. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I really wanted to have you on today, because you're not going to go, I don't think you're going to go too far into real estate investing without getting into a situation where you need to talk to a contractor. I mean, if you just go buy a bunch of houses that are already in perfect condition, you know, where's your margin? How are you going to add value, right? I think you're leaving money on the table if you're not doing some uh, some of this yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely, Chris. It's a must. It really is a must. But, you know, and I know big, strong, burly men who are afraid to talk to contractors. So what's our secret? What's your secret of how we should go about approaching this whole thing? Because I know I mean, nobody likes to be in a situation where they don't know what the heck they're talking about, right? Nobody wants to be in a situation where this other person has all this knowledge that you don't have and they're, you know, maybe they're going to look down on you. Maybe they're going to talk down to you. Maybe they're going to 
you know, lie to you and tell you what, you know, I've had contractors come in and tell me, you know, that they were not going to do what I asked them to do, that they had a better idea, you know, and it takes a lot of guts to say, I don't give a crap what your idea is. This is what's on the plan and this is what we're doing, you know? Well, it takes a lot of guts, but I think it also takes, and you just hit the word on the head, you said, it takes a lot of guts, but also takes a lot of plans in terms of what's on the plans. And this is why I really want to encourage everybody. Educating yourself is another option. So you can educate yourself. Chris talked about the plans, but I also would say the self-confidence and yes. the self-work and those areas that help us to know that, as we know from the formula, we do have the ability, right? So when you think about that which you don't know, you can always get two or three different opinions. And oftentimes I like to, uh, if I'm talking to women, akin it to, you know, you know you want to purchase a nice outfit. You may not necessarily invest. And when I say invest, because oftentimes that investment is is more than you would normally invest in that outfit, right? But you may not actually purchase the first outfit you see. You may say, you know what? I know there's something better out there for me for less. Right. Something that'll fit a little better. Something that will fit a little better. Well, this business is the same way. So that's a part of the learning. And Chris, with your mastermind groups that you do, and women having a place, because that is what you are providing. You're providing a platform and a place for people to come and have the conversation without investing an arm and a leg and get to dialogue with others who are just like you that are going through the same kinds of things and you have a place to go to get some solutions and some answers. So I would say just continue to shop and act just like it's another outfit. <laughs> I don't know if you're going to fit me good. I don't know how it's going to feel, but we'll just give it a shot, right? Yeah, but that that's an excellent point that you want to make sure that you're in a position where, and it's a little hard now. I mean, the market is still very busy, at least here in the Northeast. I don't know. I think you're really busy as well. Absolutely. So it can be tough to even get somebody to call you back, right? Never mind to actually show up and give you a price and never mind to get three people to come up and show you and give you a price or, you know, multiple people to come and give you a price. But are you ever in a situation where you have to find new people or new companies to work with? For example, like, oh, I need a new plumbing firm or something like that. Like, how do you go about figuring out, you know, finding out who's going to be a good fit for you in that respect? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think referrals and associations. and all of your, you know, clients, in addition to those who follow you and subscribe to your podcast, wherever you live, chances are there is a local chamber of commerce for your area. There's some kind of local business association in your area. And there are neighbors and friends who chances are you would be surprised to know the number of people that don't stop and ask for a referral from a family member. Hmm, interesting. I agree 100%. I mean, I recently moved about an hour north of where I used to be working. So I didn't have that network of, you know, all the people I used to work with who were contractors and people who helped me out before. It's not really feasible for them to come here. So I was in the same situation. I didn't know anyone, right? I'm just, and so I, there's a local Facebook group and I just asked there, hey, does anybody have someone who does roofing and, you know, resurfacing parking lots and all these other different things that I need done for my new space. And, and I've got some excellent people. 
That's exactly my point, Chris. And, and oftentimes they are the best connections and referrals versus, you know, the traditional way of what we used to call the yellow pages for those of us that may be a little older <laughs> and trial by error method and only to find out that that was not a good fit. And especially when you ask in a geographical area, a particular zip code, and when you find the same name keeps coming up over and over, that tends to be a good fit in the trades, whether it's a plumber, electrical, roofer, you know, whatever it is, you're looking to hire in terms of the need you have for those repairs. Yeah, absolutely. And I know a lot of investors wouldn't want to share the people who they had, right? They, they've collected this little group of folks who are going to just work maybe exclusively for them if they have a lot of homes, you know, a lot of properties and, and they might not want to tell you, <laughs> they might not want to give you their people, right? Because who knows if they, they're not going to be available when you need them. Well, technology has changed a lot of that though. And so has the economy because there's such a demand for good tradespeople. So once you find a good person or a person who you think is going to work out, what kinds of things should we be doing to make sure that we're not being taken advantage of? We're not going to put ourselves into a situation where, you know, I've talked to people who, you know, oh, I, I gave this person money and then they never saw them again, right? What can we do to guard against those sorts of things? Well, I think a couple of things. One is check your referrals, you know, and ask your referral once you get connected with that person to give you two or three or four references. And oftentimes we don't check the references and it's such an easy thing to do. And sometimes you can even hire somebody to check the references for you. But the point though, is that, you know, a tradesperson may have a reference that they're only going to give you the best references, of course. Right. But the more you can check the greater opportunity you have to vet the right people for you. That's one. Secondly, you can, depending upon the size of the project that you have, most public agencies ask for a bond or they want to see if that company is bondable. That's another way you can ensure the credibility of the firm because even though a bond would increase the cost of the work, but if you ask them for a bondability letter, it costs them no money at all. It will cost you no money at all. But what it will do is that it will let you know that that firm has already been vetted by an institution that bonds agencies for performance and payment. And those are the key things you want. You want to ensure that the person you're going to hire is going to perform. But in addition to performing, you want to make sure they're going to pay their bills because they can put a lien on your property if you, know, if you don't pay. But then if they don't pay, What's your recourse? Try to find them. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> you don't. You don't want that. You don't want that. But that's one. Of, that's a couple of ways you can vet the firms. Yeah, that's an excellent, excellent. I never thought or heard about doing the bondability letter. That's fantastic. Okay, so now you have the contract. You have the person that's going to do the work for you. What is the next sort of step to make sure that? things are going to go along as planned, that you're both on the same page. You both have the same understanding of what's actually going to be done. Well, first, before we do either of those, Chris, I would also encourage your listeners to get two or three quotes. Oh, right. Yep. Get two or three quotes. And what that will do is that the each firm will list out exactly what they're going to do in accordance with the plans 
that you have given them. And, and we didn't talk about that, but oftentimes, depending upon the type of repairs you're going to make to your property, sometimes the city or the county that you live in or wherever your property is located, they may require you to pull a permit. And if you're going to pull a permit, they may require you to give them a sketch or an architectural drawing of exactly what you intend to do. And once you have that document, then that's what you would give to the subcontractors to quote. And once you give that to them to quote, you want to make sure that they have included every scope of work that's required, but also they're all comparing apples to oranges. And one of the ways you can determine that is if you get, let's say three quotes, and you're able to lay all three of those quotes side by side, and you can see line A, line B, line C, line D, and so on between all three to determine, you may have someone that has the best price, but maybe they left out some things. Maybe they have a different level of quality. So those are some considerations that you can make prior to making a final decision on who to choose. Then once you choose at least one, now you're talking about, you know, having what I like to call go to Jesus meeting (laughs) (laughs) on the front end. So then there's no misunderstandings on the back end about what we thought the scope of work was going to be in addition to a schedule of the work. You know, so these are some of the things, safety, and these are just some of the things that uh, you really want to give some thought to before you allow people on your property and all of the things such as insurance and these things people must have. But once you make a decision and you start work, you really want to have a meeting of the minds. Okay. Going back to what you were saying about comparing the quotes side by side, that is key. I actually, one of the quotes that I got for this space I looked at it. I mean, first of all, it was a woman-owned contracting firm and I really wanted to work with her. But when I put her quote next to some of the other ones, I realized that her quote was not only more expensive, but she was not charging me for materials. So I would have to buy the materials, whereas the other quotes included the materials. So I might've said, oh, it's not that much more. Maybe I should use her anyway. Only I would have been unpleasantly surprised that I also on top of that had to buy the materials myself. Now, now you're just talking, you just mentioned something else, Chris, and this can be a show by a program podcast by itself. And that is another option. Some people will say, you know what? I don't think they're giving me the best price for the work. Let's say you get three quotes and they're all above your budget and you say, well, I don't have that much money. Then you can also do what's called cost plus where you say, you know what? I can actually self-perform some of the work myself, but the plumbing, I know I'm not going to do the plumbing. I'm not going to do the electrical. They need inspections and they need a license and they need a permit being pulled. So you may say, you know what? Listen, Mr. Plumber, I will pay you for the materials and your labor, plus an agreed profit, an agreed overhead, but I will buy the materials. Okay. You know, or I will pay any sub subs you may have. This will allow you to cut out that margin, if you will, and may allow you to bring that number down to an area you can afford. So these are some of the other ways, you know, that your listeners can still get the work done. You may say, well, listen, I'll be your labor helper. You need to hire someone to do that. Oh, you need some demolition done? Okay. You know, my family and I can demolish that. So before you get here, you know, we'll tear it out. We'll do these things. 
And in many of the DIY shows, you know, as people watch these, you can see some of the, you know, family or whatever is getting involved. There's just so many different ways to get the same work done, but just know your limitations, right? And so I just mentioned that because sometimes money is a factor, but it should not stop you from getting that work done anyway. Yeah, definitely. Especially demolition. You can get a lot of help for that. <laughs> a lot of people be like to get their frustrations out on your walls or whatever it is. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. What other things can we do going into a meeting with someone like that, where we can at least, even if we don't hundred percent feel it, that we can exude a little bit more self-confidence. You have any thoughts on that? Well, I, one of the things I think is so necessary, and that's a schedule of work. A schedule of work is so very important because oftentimes you may have an end date in mind, but not realizing, for example, that inspections may take longer or just putting permits may take longer. And you've already planned, say, a grand opening for the space, or you're going to sell the property not knowing that it may take four or five times as long. In addition to that, once you get started, I would strongly encourage some kind of weekly meeting. This can be online. It can be on a platform, Uber conference or Zoom or whatever, or in person where you say every Monday, I will meet you at the property. We're going to do a walkthrough. I want to physically see what is happening with the property, especially before I give you another draw, because that's how sometimes people get in trouble, they advance too much of the money. And that person, you know, they may be slow in responding, or they may not respond at all, because they have too much of your money. Yeah, exactly. There's no incentive for them to come back and finish the job, right? Exactly. Or continue to work, period. Yeah. One of the things that you hear a lot of people say, a lot of contractors say, when you first contact them, you'll say, oh, okay, I need one third down for my materials. Right. So if you say, oh, don't worry about that, I'll buy all the materials. Exactly. We're just going to work labor only. So until you do some labor, you're not getting money. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I know a lot of people who've unfortunately, you know, then you can't get a hold of them, right? One third down and you're never going to see them again. Or, you know, we came through many hurricanes and that's what happened with a lot of families and a lot of insurance money went that way. And many out of town companies that came knowing that that was going to be an easy way to make a quick profit, a quick buck. And so many, many of us learned the hard way that, you know, just have to be more cautious, but also more mindful. And again, the best you can do is also to educate yourself. I think that's key too. I'm thinking about this project that I'm doing right now. And the quotes that I got were just so much higher than what I expected. And so I just said to the one of the people, I said, you know, help me understand why this quote is so much higher than what I was anticipating. What is involved in this job that the layperson can't see? And you don't have to be, you know, feel stupid to ask those kind of questions, right? And I'm not saying like, you know, why is it so? I'm just like, help me understand, help educate me so that I can respect the work that you're doing, right? Yes, that's that's key. That is key. And it doesn't hurt to ask. It doesn't hurt to ask at all. And that's part of it. I mean, I feel like when I'm working with somebody, I really want to make sure that they're respecting me. I really want to make sure that they're not going to be like, you know, hey, lady, you know, like and talking down to me and giving me that, you know, sit down, little lady <laughs> kind of attitude. I don't know. That just goes right over my head. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. That being said, sometimes I do that too, like play dumb for a minute and see if they're going to like make stuff up, but you can't do that until you actually do know some things. Right. So (laughs) are they going to be trying to take advantage of me? Let's find out. When you first got started, I mean, do you have any sort of like 
fun little horror stories that you can share with us. <laughs> oh my goodness, you don't want to hear those horror stories from the contractor side or from tenants of which which kind? Of, I have them all. Depends on which one you want to hear. <laughs> on the worker side, where I would work for contractors to learn, because when I say you educate yourself, and one of the ways to do that is self perform. And on Saturdays, I would get up and I would go work with contractors. You know what happens oftentimes in construction on a Friday night? You know what happens? Yep. What yeah, happens? Everybody goes out and gets drunk. Exactly. <laughs> so you know what happens on Saturday morning? That work still got to be done and they're looking for anybody sober enough to go <laughs> up. And I would volunteer with the contractors in my neighborhood. That's how I started learning. And I would be carpentry. I would do flooring. I would do roofing. And then people started calling, trying to see who could get me first because they had a lot of people who didn't show up. And I would just work as a laborer just so that I could learn. And so learned a lot, learned a lot, learned a lot, still learning actually. It's so interesting though, that you wanted to, you know, once you, it seems like almost like a spur of the moment that you made that decision, but you really wanted to stick with it. You really wanted to see it through. Were there times when you just question that decision? Uh, well, Chris, I, I go back to one of our favorite books, which I had already read by now, by that time, which was Thinking Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And I think because I had the desire to make a certain amount of money, I was willing to do a lot of hard work and hard thinking, trial and error on a lot of different things. Some, that, some of them worked and some of them did not work. And so I continued to surround myself with older people, male and female, that were in the business. I always had questions and things like that. And no, it didn't always work. You know, you work and then people don't pay you, you know. And so there's, there's a lot of that goes on. But nevertheless, I think that as long as your listeners are clear about what is it that they want out of it, you don't get sidetracked. Things are going to happen, but you have to be so focused on your end goal. Your end goal just may be completing that project and not working with that person again or that company again but staying focused because time is money and all the time that we invest or spend, you know, bemoaning what has happened, that's time you cannot move forward and continue to find a better client or find a a better prospect or find a better subcontractor or a consultant or whatever it is that you need in order to make that property work for you. Yeah, absolutely. Any other tips or tricks or things that, you know, you've kind of learned along the way that you think would be helpful for new people who are just starting to work with contractors? Invest. You say invest? What do you mean, Ann McNeil? Invest, invest your time, invest your talents, and invest your treasure in yourself and in your business. And it does not matter which, you know, if you invest in property that is single family or commercial or multifamily, whatever it is. If you began to study to show yourself approved, that's the investment I'm making. When you invest your time in studying whatever that one area, because oftentimes, Chris, I find, and I'm still finding that people want to be all things to all people in real estate. They want to, you know, they want to invest in single family. They want to invest in high rise. They want to invest in all of these different things versus niche to be rich in one thing. That, that would be my, um, my takeaway from this, from this opportunity to share. Become an expert and become known in one thing. Even if you take one zip code and you say, you know what? I'm just going to study this particular zip code. It's a big zip code. It's a high-end zip code. 
And I want to just focus on one type of property in this particular zip code. So that, that to me is what I call niche to be rich. And by doing that, you know, your listeners will, will be the better for it, but you must give it time. Not going to happen overnight. It's a function of time. Yeah. Well, and then once you've kind of mastered that one particular niche, it's okay to go on to another one and say, okay, now I'm ready to try this. Right. Absolutely. And that's exactly why I mentioned it because if you niche, it's like a, it's like a juggle with a ball. He gets the one ball up in the air really good. And then he can pick up another one. He gets two or she gets two up in the air. You can pick up a third and then a fourth and as many as you think you can manage. And then if you have too many to manage, you bring on a partner and then the two of you, you know, juggle those balls back and forth, but start with one. That's, that's my point about niching to be rich. Yeah, definitely. That's an excellent idea. Excellent point. So, Ann, tell us about your podcast. You've got my investing story. So if you're interested in expanding beyond real estate investing and you want to learn some more about stock investing, you can look up. So tell us about my investing story and you think and grow rich podcast. Chris, I actually do five podcasts. <laughs> when you say tell about my podcast. Well, how long is your podcast that I can tell you all about my podcast? Right. <laughs> how much right. time do I have? <laughs> right. I, I guess the one that really uh, is closest to my heart would be the Think and Grow Rich one that we do on Saturday. And it's, it's Think and Grow Rich Mastermind Live. It's every Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern time, but it's on YouTube. And so any of your listeners can go back and listen to it. But just the idea of walking through this phenomenal book and the philosophy of success, the philosophy of personal achievement, what do call hashtag my investing story, because the realization is why is it that people invest in real estate? Oftentimes it's to make money. <laughs> how often do we stop to learn how to make the money, make money? Exactly. And that is another story and podcast all by itself. So I will leave your listeners with that. You can go to YouTube and just put in Ann McNeil. I have so much information out there on YouTube. But if you want a niche to be rich, you can connect with me at annmcneil.com. And we would definitely, definitely, definitely look to help you with that. Excellent. Excellent. And thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. I really, I love talking with you. Any excuse I can have to get you on my screen. Uh, anytime. <laughs> anytime. Anything for you, Chris. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Women Creating Wealth. For more info, be sure to check out womencreatingwealth.net. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us on your favorite podcast platform and consider sharing the wealth with someone else who might enjoy it. See you next week.